Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you possible. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my live monthly training. On October 16th, I'm going to be talking all about the power and the how of routines. Now, to register, just click the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. On the show today, returning for a second time, Dr. Reagan Anderson. He is a dermatologist, a Mo surgeon, and author of the book, Universal Death Care. An incredible conversation as we talk a lot about COVID, and him and I have a very healthy but yet professional debate on the wearing of masks. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Reagan Anderson. Dr. Reagan Anderson, welcome to the podcast. Awesome to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, actually, welcome back because April 18th, 2020, you were on episode 543 of the podcast and you blew me away that I said, oh my goodness, I got to have you back. You are also the author of Universal Death Care. Man, that book scared me. It scared me. <laughs> don't get that book and read it at night. Okay, get the book, folks, but don't read it at night. It'll terrify you. So I want to thank you for sending me that book and welcome back to the show. Great to have you back. It's awesome to be back. Thank you again. Now, we are not going to talk about anything that Reagan talked about the first time because there's a link in the show notes that you can go back and listen to an episode. So this is going to be all new stuff. A couple things you want to talk about, the scientific method and why we have gotten so divergent opinions on COVID. But before we get there, if no one, if they made the mistake, they didn't listen to your first episode, who are you and what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a, right now I'm a dermatologist and I used to be the battalion surgeon for first recon battalion, uh, the United States Marine Corps I did two combat tours to Iraq. And then I got out and I, uh, specialized in the field of dermatology. And you're actually a surgeon. I am. I do Mohs surgery, which is when you have a, a big cancer on your face, I remove the cancer and then do uh, plastic reconstruction, if you will, to give you back your face. And so that's the majority of what I do now. I uh, I have a master's of public health and a bunch of other things, but mostly I'm just a, a normal guy who wants to help move the needle to something reasonable and healthful and productive in this country. Well, thank you for your service to your, our country. Um, I, I really loved how you talked about the book in the book about stories. It's a fantastic book. I highly encourage everyone to get it. So let's talk about this thing, this global zombie apocalypse pandemic. Um, here's my opinion. And I, I'm not a doctor, never went to school. I don't play one on school. I don't believe the numbers are correct. There was a story not too long ago around the Houston area. I don't remember where it was, where they classified every death, regardless of the actual cause, every death was COVID. And so I'm not saying there isn't a thing called COVID-19, because that would be silly of me, but I don't think those numbers are accurate. What say you? Well, you're 100% correct. And I, I don't think that there's any argument on the numbers not being accurate. I also don't think there's any argument that COVID is a real thing and that if you are unhealthy, and you get COVID, you could be in serious trouble. And But here's the point with this. And I think when people heard that we were going to be talking about the scientific method, maybe half of them fell asleep. But <laughs> <laughs> I promise this isn't going to be horribly boring. So people need to understand that science is not about whimsical conjecture. 
Science is about coming up with a thought and then testing the thought to see if it's true. And the newer the threat is, or the newer the entity is, the more crazy the thoughts are going to be and the more divergent the opinions are going to be until the data comes in. That's science. Mm. You know, politics can can spin things any which way they yes. want, right? But we don't have that luxury in science. We have, we do our best, we come up with a hypothesis and then we test it. And when it's wrong, we have the integrity to say, hey, we're wrong. Now we have a new hypothesis and we're going to test it again. And we keep refining and refining and refining until we have actionable, uh, intelligent information, but we never stop questioning. And this is, this is what I think a lot of the political mumbo jumbo has come from is because when we're trying a new threat, when we don't exactly know what we're dealing with, we throw a lot of stuff up against the wall mm-hmm. And we, the stuff we're throwing up against the wall is based off of experience with other similar entities. And so we do our best. And then as soon as we need to change, we change. But that does not mean that there's some huge conspiracy theory. That does not mean that whoever is talking on the TV is necessarily trying to pull the wool over our eyes. So the scientific method with deaths, when we COVID came out, even if you got in a car wreck and they tested you in the hospital, you were dead and you had COVID in you, they listed it Mm. as a potential cause of death. Now we have to do this because um, Mark, when was the last time you lost your keys? I can say I, I very rarely lose. Oh, come on. I'm (laughs) being dead. Seriously, man. I, (laughs) I am so paranoid. I put my keys the same place and then walk in the house every time for that very reason. All right. Think of something you've lost. All right. Something uh, you can't find the stick of butter or whatever it is. Right. So you don't. And then you ask your wife, Hey, have you seen the stick of butter? And she says, well, have you checked the fridge? And you said, Oh, it's not there. And then she goes, well, how do you know you haven't checked? (laughs) Right. And before I got married, I knew where everything was in the house. Then magically, I didn't know where anything was anymore. (laughs) I don't know how that works, but it's very true. But when you have a new entity and you don't know what you're up against, you need to account for every single variable out there because what if COVID caused coordination changes or vision disturbances and therefore we're getting more car wrecks? Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Then we have to look at the brain and the eye or the CNS. And I don't know if you know this, but your eyes are actually an extension of your brain. They're brain tissue. Okay. So it's kind of cool. Your eyes are your brain sticking out of your head, which oh. is really kind of oh. fun to think about. That's- yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can massage your eye and say, I'm poking my brain, but that, that's another story. So we have to list things like car accidents as a cause or a potential cause from COVID. And then as more and more research comes in, we say, well, okay, there really isn't an association with coordination or with eye or with, you know, uh, cognitive functioning. And then we start weaning things down. So hundred percent, the numbers are not accurate by definition. This is a new thing. We're using the scientific method and we're trying to zone in on every little detail possible uh, because it's quite simply possible that it is true that you have COVID, true that you got in a car accident, not related, but mm-hmm. it's also possible that it's true that you have COVID, 
true that you got in a car accident and they are related. Does that make any sense? It, it does make a sense. And one thing, you know, this is not a political podcast, but a lot of people sure. got upset about, you know, Trump, what Trump did or didn't do. And I remember when I read a fantastic book by John Perry, uh, the, the great influenza. And in there, he says, you know, people were closing the borders and all this other stuff. He says, um, the virus does not stop at customs. The virus goes through the air. You cannot, we could not have stopped COVID from coming to America just as they couldn't stop in Italy. You can't stop it when something's airborne. And correct me if I'm wrong. You can't stop it because it's airborne, right? So I, I don't, unless I'm misunderstanding, I don't think COVID stops at the border and goes through customs. Am I, am I wrong? Well, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're a hundred percent accurate either. I, I think that we could have done things to slow the spread and shutting the borders down earlier would have slowed how many people come into the country who have it, which would have slowed, you know, flatten the curve type thing that we've all mm-hmm. heard of. It would have slowed it. So it would have given us perhaps a little bit more time uh, to know it's coming, you know, Paul Revere running through the countryside, yes. right? The British are coming uh, he gave people time to prepare. I think had we known what we were dealing with, had we known what we know now, I think everybody would have acted a lot differently. I, I do not begrudge our politicians for having a completely new entity and everybody trying to make it fit into their understanding of the world based off of how they've lived and what they've experienced. I don't begrudge that at all because I think back in March and April, we were all kind of scratching our head going, what in the world is happening? And some people are more on the conservative side of, and I'm not talking conservative, like left, mm-hmm. right, Republican, Democrat, but more on conservative, like shut everything down now. Mm-hmm. And some people are more on the liberal side of, well, it's a new thing. Come on, let's see what we're dealing with before we shut down the world economy and cause all sorts of other devastating consequences. Uh, so I don't begrudge on that. I do begrudge politicians when they try to put a political spin on the numbers. Yes. That is when science is not about spinning. Science is not about politicking. Science is about science. Now, that's not really up for interpretation. It's up for continual scrutiny and scientific interpretation, but not political. Let me ask you this then, because you know the cases are uh, were under – we're under control to an extent, like in uh, Italy and France and UK. And now they're exploding again. Um, and th- I want your thoughts on that. And I also want your thoughts on what's going on with the Scandinavian countries who kept the kids in school and they don't wear masks. And it's kind of like leveled off. I read an article not too long ago, a few days ago, about Sweden, how Sweden, they stayed in school. You, you go everywhere in Sweden. There, there's, there, it's like very few deaths, very few cases. No one wears masks. No one social distance. And I'm curious... Why do you think that, you know, the UK and Italy and France, they're exploding and the Scandinavian countries are not? I know every country is doing something differently, but why do you think that some countries are having success and others are not? Well, that's a that's a huge question. Let, let me ask you, why do you think logically? Why do you what are what are the differences that you can think of between the average person in Sweden and the average American? Well, I'm not, I've never been to Sweden. Don't don't know a lot about them, but I know I think they have the population is fewer than what we have here in Houston, Texas. So there's Absolutely. fewer people. And I'm pretty sure that's part of it. It's a huge part of it. They also tend to have less uh, other diseases, so they tend okay. to be more health conscious. And we know that 
uh, well, we don't know. We don't know anything right now. Let me let me be very clear <laughs> on COVID is that we are still in the information gathering stage. And I have hunches. Those are not scientific hunches. Those are hunches. The data we're going to know for sure in about four to five years. Mm. So why Italy? There has to be a genetic component to this. There absolutely has to be because every disease out there has some sort of genetic component. You're either a little bit more prone or less prone or not prone at all. And we know this. So there, there is a genetic component. We know that the more crowded we are, the more that what you were speaking about earlier, the easier it is for that airborne virus to spread. And if you're in a huge city like New York or Houston or you know fill in the blank, you're going to have more potential to spread, which means your cases are going to go up. Also think about Italy and how it, Italians greet each other. I, I'm married an Italian. So, right. <laughs> they get up and they, they kiss the cheeks and they're in each other's personal yeah. space. And the average American, you know, wants another two feet of personal space and the average Italian, they're just, they don't mean anything by it. It's just their culture. They're just right up in your business. And it's very warm and embracing. Uh, Italians also uh, tend to live a little bit longer because they tend to be healthier. So I think you're going to see places that are that are highly populated and that have different cultural practices having different rates of COVID right now. I wouldn't say that America is controlled right now. I would say that we are learning how to handle this virus better. I I think America would be very controlled right now, given our resources, if we had an ability for the national government to declare a state of national emergency and put out a standard for the entire country to use based off of scientific data, not political pandering. So, but we don't, we have a bunch of different States and each one of them handles them differently. And each one of them interprets things differently. And to a certain extent, very appropriate middle of Wyoming, where there's nobody around for a hundred miles, you probably don't need to wear a mask. You know, but in downtown New York, there's that's a very different situation. So yeah. there, there it, we need to hopefully after this, we're going to be able to come up with uh, the number one threat to national security. It has been and always will be biologic. So I want to say that again. The number one threat has been and always will be biologic. This is not coming from the opinion of a physician. This is coming from a physician who did two tours in Iraq and who understands military history because there has never been a conflict or a war where there have been more casualties from battle than there have been from disease. Never, mm. never in the history of mankind. It used to be a thousand to one people. So a thousand people would die from disease for every one person that would die from a battle injury. And so America has been asleep at the wheel. And I remember like eight or nine years ago, I was talking to my wife, actually seven years ago. And I was on this rant about how in the world could we have most of the antibiotics that we use in America be consumed in China? That is a pivotal failure. And, you know, I talked to this congressman and that senator and whatever, and everybody was like, yeah, yeah, Reagan, whatever. Just, you know, just go back to popping pimples. Right. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we have a country, even if it were England, who we have great relations with, we cannot be 100% externally reliant on antibiotics. That is insanity. Yeah. So hopefully after this pandemic, we're going to be able to come up with a reasoned, scientific, 
rational approach that takes into consideration the many different nuances of our great states. And hopefully we're going to start to pinpoint the critical failures in this country uh, for a medical or biologic response. So, yeah. Well, so let me give you my thoughts. Um, I live in Texas. Obviously, that's where Houston's located. And we have a mask mandate. Now, I'm an anti-masker. Now, save your hate mail, e- email. Let me explain. Okay. So I work from home. I'm not wearing a mask around the home. I go out running. Okay. I'm not going to wear my mask when I'm running. I, I think people are silly who are right, driving the car by themselves wearing a mask. What are you thinking? But I won't go on that tangent. And here in Texas, our governor... Of course, we're a conservative state. Our governor's a Christian. And so mosques, churches, and synagogues do not have to have a mask mandate. They're recommended, okay, but it's not mandatory. So our church opened up in March, a reopened against, no, it closed in March. I think it was like six weeks later we opened up. Doesn't matter. But they said masks are recommended, not required. And our worship center holds about 5,000 people and we get about 600 people for service. They're every other row, you know, you can have six feet. It's all social distance. And I'd say about 60% of people don't wear masks. Okay. I don't like wearing masks personally. And what's interesting is our pastor said last weekend, he says, we have five campus or seven campuses. He says, there's not been one instance of COVID on any of our campuses because they check it. They make sure those numbers are being checked. Now, I think if you do it right, you can go by without well, wearing masks. No one's hugging, no one's shaking hands. And I think if you're smart about it, the problem is, is, what I found really astounding is when COVID first came out, it was a really big thing back in March. They said, wash your hands. Don't go out when you're sick. And I'm like, and people acted like that was new information. I'm like, seriously, you haven't been washing your hands all these years. You've been going to work when you're sick. And I think that's part of the problem is basic hygiene, basic common sense. When you're sick, you stay home. You don't go infect the entire workplace. And so I think that's why my church is able to do this. I know some other churches in Texas are doing this. They're very careful. You got a flu. They say, don't come. If you have pre-existing conditions, don't come to church. You worship online. We've had no problems. I've never had a problem with it. And I think because our church is doing it very smartly. Now, there have been some churches in Texas where everybody just goes and they're not wearing masks. They're all next to each other. That's a different animal. So what, what say you on that? Well, let me let me throw the question back at you here. So you can't interview me on my own show. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole fun of it. So if 20 to 50% of people who have COVID are asymptomatic, and, and I believe the numbers are going to be somewhere around 35, 40%. But right now, I think saying between 20 and 50% who have COVID or ACE, they have no symptoms mm-hmm. or at least no symptoms they recognize as anything. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what you just said? Because one of the things that you just said was, well, if you feel sick, stay home. Well, that, that works for perhaps 50 to 80%, but right. And I, I think the average demographic of the average church is fairly mixed. Mm-hmm. So you get some very young, you get some very old. Yeah. And so w- what do you think? I think it's up to the individual. I mean, you're talking to someone, this is going to really probably make your hair stand up on end. I don't have any hair to stand up on end and get a lot of people angry. But like when it comes to Disney World, here's my thought in universal same way. Either open it with no social distancing, no mask, or you stay closed. Because to me, I think it's silly trying to open up, reduce capacity everywhere in mass, social distancing. Then why even open? And I know it's a money play. That is a money play. You can't convince me. It's all about money. I Here's the thing. 
I don't worry about the flu. And there are people saying that we should wear a mask every day the rest of our lives. And I'm like, no, we, I, I don't want to wear a mask. Okay. I, to me, I'm looking forward to the day when this thing goes away. They didn't think the Spanish flu was going to go away. And it did. They didn't think SARS was going to go. Away. It went. They didn't think about the, the swine flu. These things will eventually go away. Now, I don't know. I don't know when, but I don't, I, I get really upset when people say this is the way it is. No more hugging, no more handshakes, a wet mask. I'm, I got 45, 50 more years left in my life. I'm going to live at least to 100 years old. Wearing a mask go. for 50 years? I, I, I don't know why people are cheering for that. And I also don't think the everybody's thinking about the vaccine is going to be the magic bullet. And I was reading an article just today. Uh, what It was on... Uh, one of those magazines, it was a COVID-19 special report on Apple News, a long article. I wish I knew. I got my phone right here. I can tell you what it is. Um, this is live, folks. So I just want to let you know, because I want to share the article with you, because maybe you've heard about it. Um, and they were saying that they don't think it's going to be like the, was it polio they had a vaccine for, right? Right. Polio. So, But tub- t- TB, tuberculosis, it's gradual. It, it's a gradual thing. So uh, the article was on the New Yorkers. It was called, uh, it was about, you know, is this going to be a one-shot deal that kills COVID, or is it going to be more like TB, where it's going to be gradual? And it sounds to me that this is not going to be like, you get the vaccine, boom, you're cured for life. No, you're 100% correct. And, and I, want to, I want to brush on that just a sec, but I want to ask you another question. So if I'm going back to this, the 20 to 50% are asymptomatic, mm-hmm. and wearing a mask doesn't really protect you. Because even if you're wearing one of those N95s, you still got your eyes that can absorb it, right? So if the choice is yours, are you saying that the choice is yours to go to church in the first place and expose yourself? Or are you saying the choice is yours to wear a mask? Because if 20 to 50% are asymptomatic carriers, I don't believe that anybody should have a choice as if they wear a mask or not. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense, but it's really interesting because there, the more information that comes out every day, and I, I don't know nearly as much as you do because I do not obsess about this stuff. They're saying that most of the people are people with pre-existing conditions and who are the elderly. Okay. I'm pretty good in shape. I, I run every day. I eat, watch what they eat. So I'm taking care of myself. And they say, if you're taking care of yourself, if you're healthy, the chances of you getting it and getting really serious, sick and dying is really small. Now I'm not saying I'm going to go, I go to the store. I wear a mask. Okay. I'm saying I don't wear a mask two pla- three places. My house, when I go for my daily run well, in the car as well. And when I go to my church, that's it. So if I go to shop with my wife, I'm wearing a mask. But sure. like I went to, um, this morning, my wife and I went to the local gun club. Okay. And you had to wear a mask in the gun club, but when you went to the shooting range, you didn't have to wear a mask when you're shooting the gun. Okay. And so I'm pretty cool with that, but I respect people. I would never tell someone don't wear a mask. Well, I don't think like, I don't think they can, I don't think it's constitutional and I'm not a constitutional expert that you can make it mask, uh, mask mandate. And I don't think we should shut down the country because what are you going to shut down, shut the country down on 90 days, a year, two years. So we tank the country. So I don't know what the solution is here. And I think to your point earlier, I don't think we know we're trying. I hope we're looking at what happened in 1918 and 1919, because that kind of like came out of nowhere and it just like died. It just like disappeared overnight. Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, MrProductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. 
this, this will go away too. So here's my point. You know, I'm a physician. I'm wearing those masks all day long. Yes. And when I go outside, I'm healthy. I exercise every day. When I get done with this podcast, I'm going to exercise. I eat well. I do those sorts of things. I importantly make sure my vitamin D levels are good because we know that almost everybody who gets very sick with COVID has very low vitamin D levels. Um, and it's one of the biggest nutritional deficiencies in America. Mm -hmm. So I do all these things. So I wear a mask not to protect me. I wear a mask to protect others. Mm -hmm. And do I like it? No. But is it death to me? No, it's not. So, and the question of constitutionality of it, it's a very interesting question because a lot of states mandate that you wear protective glasses when you're riding a motorcycle or a helmet. A lot of states mandate that you put a seatbelt on. Uh, there's tickets for these things. Mm -hmm. States mandate speed limits because it could affect somebody else. So it, it is 100% constitutional for the government to be able to put this on for wearing a mask because we have so many other public health measures that we're not allowed to do things because it will affect other people. Might not affect us, but it will affect other people. So it's constitutional. And I think it's something that all of us need to ask ourselves. I don't think that God is going to mind us having a mask on. Yeah, he might prefer to not hear our voices as bad as when we're singing, right? So I don't think that it, unless you have some sort of respiratory illness where you literally can't breathe with it or a psychiatric condition where you're, you're anxiety through the roof with claustrophobia or anything around your mouth. I, I think that for the vast majority of us who are just annoyed by it, I do believe that even though we don't have all the data, I think the risk to us is minimal, if at all. And I think the potential benefit, I think the data has shown that the potential benefit for others, especially the vulnerable, is there. So in medicine, we'd call it a risk-benefit ratio, mm -hmm. and that one's a clear winner. Yeah, I'm annoyed. Okay, move on. It's the same thing about washing your hands when you leave the bathroom. I mean, I doubt that after you use the bathroom, you go, awesome, I get to wash my hands right now. It's the best part of my day. No, and you're not doing it to protect yourself, right? Because those germs are yours. You're doing it to protect other people. So we already have these things that we do that we've gotten used to and accustomed to that we do to protect other people. And hopefully everybody listening to this is washing their hands when they leave the bathroom. But I don't think it's too far of a stretch. And I think that when we put our quote unquote liberties and say this is a violation of that, we need to ask those questions 100%. That's the foundation of freedom. It's what this country was based upon. Mm -hmm. But we need to ask ourselves, are we just annoyed and we're trying to find an excuse out of it? Are we using a religious excuse or a scientific or a political excuse or any excuse out of it to justify something that we really just don't like doing? Or are the masks hurting you? And that's my stance on it. I think that we will know in four to five years, absolute hard data. In the meantime, I'm not worried about myself getting COVID. If I get it, I'm sure I'm not going to enjoy a couple of days, but I'm not going to die. I'm worried about the person who maybe doesn't know about a pre-existing condition, doesn't something hasn't been diagnosed yet and is lurking, something somebody who's elderly, a, a newborn baby. I'm worried about these people that I think it's my personal and collective responsibility to wear a mask, wash your hands, well, don't go outside a, if you're sick. It's a healthy debate and uh like I said, you know, I I don't have to wear a mask when I'm running. I don't have to wear no. a mask at home. And I don't have to wear a mask at church. I don't have to wear a mask in my car. And I don't go places. So, like, I will not go to Disney World. I can want a trip. I'm not going to go to Disney World. I wear a mask. I'm not gonna, so I choose. I won't go to businesses other than stores. They require a mask. 
I don't have to. I could just, my wife goes to shopping for our house and I don't want to wear a mask because I don't have to wear a mask at home and I work 99% of the time at home. So I don't really worry about it, okay? Um, it is what it is. When I went to the gun club today, I had to wear a mask, okay? If I want to get in the gun club, I had to wear a mask. It's the way it is. I put the mask on and I know people like you wear them all the time. And, you know, I, there's a big debate and what goes naturally flows into this is people are saying about 30 to 50 percent. I've heard different figures say that when the vaccine comes out, they're not going to get it because the New Yorker article, New Yorker article actually wrote uh, talked about this is because people are like, OK, Operation Warp Speed. They're rushing this out and people are like, ah, I don't know if I want to be the first one in line. So you have some people. I'm not talking about the anti-vaccine. That's a totally different different discussion i'm talking about people are looking and saying they're rushing this thing out and then like okay do i really want to take something that was rushed to market and so not everybody's going to take the vaccine they're going to see some people staying in line to get it right off the bat what are your thoughts on the vaccine um and who's yeah. who is not and this kind of goes it? this goes back to your earlier point of is it going to be the silver bullet is the vaccine going to be the silver bullet and the answer is absolutely not you know when this whole thing started i said more people are going to die from medical issues that they delay treatment and diagnosis of than anybody will ever die of COVID. And that's what's happened. More people have died from delaying treatment or diagnosis and treatment of, of regular old medical conditions that you get all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the vaccine, first of all, I don't think any Tom, Dick or Harry is going to be able to get it when it first comes out. Yes. It's going to, it's going to be sent to, you know, probably the military, the police, the first responders, first responders yes. the, the most vulnerable and the politicians, <laughs> they should get it last, but the politicians will be ahead of the rest of us. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> they should be test uh, subjects in my opinion. <laughs> well, they should actually learn that leading is leading from behind, yes. not leading it in the front of the line. That's, yes. you know, it's one of the things I learned in Iraq is that, uh, you are out there unloading the trucks uh, as an officer. You are out there doing the things that you ask others to do. And if, if you aren't willing to do that, you have no business leading. 100%. But we're getting off topic here. So the I don't think the vaccine's a silver bullet. Will I get the vaccine? Hundred percent. When it's my turn, when the powers that be says it is my turn. I but what is the silver bullet? It's what you do. Mm-hmm. You went for a run. You yeah. eat well. You take care of yourself. Uh, you get your yearly checkups. You make sure that you're not having you know. Taco Bell for lunch and uh, <laughs> McDonald's for breakfast and and yeah. Wendy's for dinner, right? We we can have all things in mod well, most things in moderation, but the silver bullet is getting America to wake up and saying we are the unhealthiest developed nation in the world, and because of that, our numbers are a lot higher than they needed to be. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things why our numbers are higher than they needed to be, but our deaths in particular. So I think I said this in the previous podcast, but you know, between 50 and 85% of all healthcare dollars spent in America are spent on treating conditions that could have been completely and reasonably prevented in the first place. Now, I want the listener to, to hear what you just said. I don't want them just to gloss over and go, yeah, yeah. So I want you to say it again because they need to understand what you said because most of the things that you suffer from obesity, et cetera, et cetera, is within your control. So what is that number again? Between 50 and 85%. And here's the thing. So many people say we don't have enough money to in- medically insure everybody in this country, every citizen in this country. And I say nonsense. We're the richest nation that's ever graced this planet 
We have more resources, not just like physical and money resources, but our ingenuity, our, our spirit of America is the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. We have everything that we need. We also have too much entitlement. So we think that we can abuse our bodies, yep. entire lives, and just take a magic pill and it's all good. If we would just take care of each other by taking care of ourselves, just being healthy so that we can enjoy our own lives, oh my gosh, so much social injustice could be solved with the snap of a finger. And we would have so many resources to take care of our elderly in a more dignified fashion, so many resources to fill in the blank for everything. We have the resources, but we don't have the resources if we are entitled and we refuse to to do our personal responsibility. Yeah, and I'll share a story that uh, I've shared numerous times on my show. My mother's mother died of Alzheimer's. My mother has late onset, and she's a three-year-old living in a 76-year-old body. And as her only child, I got a chance to talk to her doctors. And I said, um, you know, I read this article on runnersworld.com, and he goes, you're going to ask me if you run a lot and take care of yourself, may you mitigate ever getting Alzheimer's? And I say, well, I didn't know your mind reader, but yeah, actually, that's what I was going to ask you. He goes, the answer is yes, with an asterisk. He goes, he goes, how active was your grandma or your, my, your mom? I said, my mom did jazzercise for like a week in the 80s, and my grandma was never exercised. And, and he go, well, did they, what kind of foods they ate? And they ate a lot of, you know, garbage. And they said, well, he goes, we've been telling people from day one, that it's diet and exercise and sleep. If you exercise within what you can do, and if you take care of yourself and you, you know, I have things like Fridays, we're recording this on Friday, it's out on Saturday. You know, I call it ice cream Friday. I allow myself to have a pint of ice cream. I go get a piece of carrot cake, but one day a week. And the, the other right. six days I'm trying to eat better. And they said, science backs up because you mentioned science earlier. Back earlier. If you say, okay, I'm only like, all I drink is water. I think you know this. All I drink is water. Seven days a week, I don't drink anything but water. And that's good for my body. And so I went vegetarian last December. Okay. So I'm trying to eat more plants and more fruits and more vegetables. I'm trying to constantly take care of myself. I'm trying to sleep better. If I don't sleep well, okay, why am I not sleeping well? Trying different hacks. Because if someone says, hey, if you take care of yourself, not only may you never get Alzheimer's, but you may live to 100, 110 years old. I'm like, okay, you threw down the gauntlet. I'm going to do that. But yeah, I see people, uh, when I used to go shopping with my wife before they had to wear masks, people 12 years old, I weigh 205, 12 year olds weigh more than, more than I do. And they got the big fat off their arms and the, they're huge. I'm like, I, I think I said, oh my gosh. And you look in the car, it's macaroni and cheese, it's jello, it's ice cream. And I'm like, that's okay. Once in a while, like maybe once a week, you have a pint of ice cream, but every day, that's the problem. People are not being proactive with their health. I mean, you may not be able to run like I do, but go for a walk or do some yoga, but don't just sit in the couch and keep feeding yourself with uh, potato chips. Absolutely. And, and what you're just talking about is the silver bullet. If, if people putting, putting your faith in a vaccine, I think is, is partially foolish. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to the vaccine and I'm looking forward to shaking hands and all that good stuff again. But I, uh, I would rather put my faith in things that I can control and then take advantage of the things that like the vaccines that can give it a boost. But I think what most people are doing is they're just looking for that day when the vaccine can be the, the solve to all their problems. But, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people die of cancer and obesity related things and alcoholism and drunk driving and tobacco. And I mean, oh my gosh, by, by huge amounts more 
than will ever die of COVID. Yeah. And people aren't scared of that, even though they're doing all these things. Isn't it amazing? They're worried about COVID, but then they'll have five beers and get in the car. It's like, are you kidding me right now? That's completely preventable. And I, I, my hear, you know, and what really cringes my heart is when I see and hear a story where a drunk driver plows into a family car, kills the mom and dad and three kids, and the driver gets away with a nick on his, on his forehead. I'm like, oh my gosh, that whole family is gone because somebody decided, oh, I can drive home and they drive the wrong way and kill someone. That, that breaks my heart because that is so preventable. You know, that's why I don't drink. I, I don't drink. I don't see the point of drinking. Now, some people can drink you know, well, and some people can't. They just got to keep drinking. But what you're talking about, like, you can't be surprised when you smoke cigarettes 30 years and then you have lung cancer. I mean, duh, you you caused it on yourself. And then they then they turn around and sue the cigarette company. I'm like, well, who have who gave you the first cigarette? Maybe you should go sue that person. And I just think everyone wants to go into litigation. Nobody wants to take responsibility and say, you know what? My help is my responsibility. I'm going to start exercising more or drinking only water or maybe go vegetarian or vegan or something and, and get yourself in better shape. Because like you said, that's within your control. You can't wait for the government or your doctor or your friend to, to help you get better. you got to make the choice. And I think you'd agree with me. you got to make the choice before you do anything. Absolutely. You, you've got to uh, – I don't know if you ever read Persuasion by uh, Cialdini, but it's a brilliant book. And you've got to every day persuade yourself. So you have to put yourself in the right frame of mind and tell yourself – how the day is going to go. I am mm. going to tell myself that today I'm not going to lose my cool. Today I'm going to eat a carrot. Today, right? Whatever it is, whatever your particular hangup is, you have to actually verbalize this and put intention towards it. Because I think we all know that if we don't have a schedule and if we just, you know, wibbly nibbly go through our day, nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Yes. But if we sit there and just spend 30 seconds, it's free. 30 seconds in the morning, you know, for the first 15 minutes that you're, when you first wake up in the morning, that first 15 minutes, you're kind of in a self-hypnosis state. You're in the most suggestive state that you will be in for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And so not every day, I try to every day, some days I'm lazy, but I try to every day before I get out of bed, I say how my day is going to go and what my goals are going to be for that day. And then at night before I go to sleep, I try to, not every night, but I try to just make myself think about three things I'm grateful for. Mm. Because if I can, while I'm in that somewhat hypnotic brain state, program in how my day will go more often than not, it does. And at the end of the day, if I can think of three things and not just say, oh, I'm grateful for my house and the sky and my <laughs> dog, you know, like, but actually spend 10 seconds thinking about what it is about your house that you're grateful for, you know, security and shelter and these sorts of things, love that little exercise of gratitude is more effective against depression than any of the antidepressants out there right now. A hundred percent. And I do the same That's, thing. I wake up in the morning, yeah. I, I fill up my, my Brendan Burchard high performance planner and it has a whole bunch of morning mindset questions. So I set my day intentionally at night and ask you how the day go. It's really important to do that. And uh, one other thing before I let you go, one other thing you thought of something. I just learned something like less than 24 hours ago. Have you ever heard of grounding or earthing? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So. I, I had a guest on my show just yesterday, Tim James, and he's about chemical free body. And we had a great conversation. And um, like you, he's going to come back on the show in December because great guest as you are. And I said, you know, I'm going to try it because I don't have to buy anything. You just go outside, take your shoes off, you know, shoes and socks off. And 
I made the mistake of going to a subreddit about Earthling. And there are people on there who are saying, this is not scientific and it doesn't cure diseases. I'm like, who said it cures diseases? It's like the whole point was everything else in their life is grounded. The cable's grounded, electricity's grounded, and we wear these rubber sole shoes. And by the way, you can watch the Earthling movie uh, for free on YouTube. It's like uh, 75 minutes long. And it says it's just back in the day, back in the biblical day, and the Indians, they walked around with just bare feet. And, and I believe because the, the earth is all electrical and our bodies are electrical and there's a reason why you should walk around barefoot. So what I try to do a couple hours a day, if I'm going to go read a book, I go outside, take my shoes and socks off. And what do you think of that? Have you, have you done the grounding thing? Or do you think it's a hoax? Oh gosh. I think all of us have as children. I think all of us can remember running through the lawn barefoot, yes, yes. running and playing and not having a care in the world. Mm-hmm. So it is actually scientific because they actually have done studies that show that when you're out in nature, just among the trees and whatever, your blood pressure goes down significantly. It is even so grounding, if you will, that if you see a picture of a tree on your wall, your blood pressure will go down. Really? Compare, yeah. <laughs> if you just look at a beautiful tree out your window or a picture of a tree on your wall, your blood pressure measurably goes down. Now, not if you're thinking about everything in the world that you hate, <laughs> but if you do this in a controlled setting. Now, I went on a hike this weekend. I'm in Colorado. The leaves are changing. It's just so beautiful up here. And I always on a hike, I go up to a tree. I put my hands on the tree. I close my eyes and I just sit there and I am, I spend about 30 seconds being grateful to be able to go on a hike, be grateful to breathe, be grateful to be in nature. And I tell you what, I don't know if it's grounding or my feet or my hands on that tree, whatever you want to say, I feel better. I feel peaceful. And I just continue on the hike in a more mellow fashion. I don't think I'm a hippie and you can call me a tree (laughs) hugger if you want, but I bet all of us can resonate with a memory of having a day and just laying on the grass and looking up at the night sky Mm -hmm. and feeling at peace and one because we're out in nature. And I don't think that's anything to, um, to disagree with. We all have had that moment. So I, you know, I'm not sure if grounding does all the things that the grounding movement has said, but I know I feel better when I'm out in nature. Yeah. And here's the thing. And when people say, oh, it's just a scam, it's a sham. I'm like, okay, you're not paying any money. You're not injecting yourself with drugs. And I believe as a Christian that we were supposed to go out and enjoy what God created for us. And I don't think maybe I feel better, you know, less inflammation. If I go out and bare feet, maybe I don't, but how could it hurt? I mean, you seriously going outside to read a book while sitting on the ground, you think that's going to cause you cancer? I mean, maybe if you go to a toxic uh, dump, maybe, but I I can't imagine being out in nature is bad. And I just, I just think there's a lot of people, Reagan, who are haters and doesn't matter what comes out there, they're going to hate it. Like, okay, if you don't have anything nice to say, my mom taught me this, you know, before she had Alzheimer's, she would say, if you have nothing else, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything, don't say anything at all. And I think we need to go back to that across the entire world. If you were, that's why I left Twitter because Twitter's all full of COVID experts, political experts and haters. I left it. You know, why can't we just be nice? I mean, I may not agree with you. Like I don't agree with you on the mask. Okay. But I still like you. Why yeah. we can just have a healthy debate, but there are some people who are just like, okay, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to punch you in the face. Now do you agree with me? No, I'm mad at you now. My nose is bleeding. And I just think we need to take a collective breath and realize that we're not all going to agree. And that's Okay. I feel good when I go outside. Matter of fact, I, I've actually gone back to reading print books because my guests, such as you, send me their books and I go outside. And guess what you don't get on a print book? 
notifications, pop-ups, phone calls. You just read the book. My dog sits next to my feet. I just read. How is that a bad thing? So I, I'm just, you know, we could talk for a very long time. We talked a lot uh, about uh, COVID and about masks and about grounding and about the number one threat in America. I think I'm going to put that as the title on here. So people who are listening to this can say the number one threat to America, because who wouldn't want to listen to that episode? <laughs> there you go. No, it's great. And I, I think that you're 100% right, especially with the social media and the things. I mean, we know now that the social media and all that stuff is about as addictive as cocaine. Yes. With the dopamine hits and the addictive behavior, it's actually, I think, in some ways more addictive than cocaine because it doesn't have the negative social stigma behind it. Mm-hmm. So, And just remember who created endless scrolling. That was social media. Just want people to realize that. So when you're endlessly scrolling on social media, that was created specifically so you don't leave the platform. I just want people to realize that. Oh, yeah. Listen, they they gamed it like Vegas games it so that you don't ever leave. (laughs) But I think that the more divisive we get and the more we want to punch somebody in the nose because they disagree with us, I think the more likely it is that we aren't secure in ourselves. Because if you can't... If you can't listen to somebody else, listen, you and I have different opinions on masks, but dude, I'd still, I'd still have a share of water with you any yeah. day of the week. Right. <laughs> so, but we can still talk and we can get along, but when people are so insecure that they have to identify as a Republican or a Democrat, and they're going to hurt somebody else because of it or not listen to another point of view. Yeah. I think that's when they need to take a step back and say, you know what, maybe I'm an American first. Maybe I'm a husband. Maybe I'm a father. Maybe I'm a a wife or a child of God, if you're religious or whatever. Maybe we ought to define ourselves on those things first so that we can actually start I love that. Because here's the thing. We all fight amongst ourselves, but the Martians came and uh, and, uh, uh, attacked the United States or the world. We'd all bond together. So if we're going to bind together as fellow earthlings, why can't we come together? Remember September 12, 2001? Everyone came together. September 13th, eh, we started pulling back a little bit. Now we don't like each other anymore. It's like, remember September 12th. Not September 11th so much. I mean, we should remember that day. It's a horrific day in the United States. But remember what happened on September 12th. We were helping neighbors. We were all friendly. Let's get back to that time. Because when when we are friendly and when we're helping, we're going to get through this quicker. Yes, if yes. we're just pointing fingers at each other, then what energy does that leave to solving this and getting our life back yes. to normal? Uh, I, nobody on the planet has the perfect answer for how to do this right now. And when that is not there, we need to have ideas and divergent ideas. And we need to put those through scientific scrutiny. We need to test them. And when they don't pan out, we need to try something else. But if we're just yelling at each other, we're not going to get there, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if we were just yelling at each other, would we have been able to do, would we have the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. Now, our common enemy is the virus. Our common enemy is not the other political party. Mm-hmm. Our common enemy is not fill in the blank. Our common enemy is the virus. Yes. And the more that we argue and yell at each other and scream, the more strength we're giving it. I think people have a trouble as we wrap up the show today with the fact that in Nazi Germany, we can see the army. We, I mean, we can see the enemy. We can't see this enemy you, unless you get a microscope. You can't see it. And I think that's when people go, well, here in Houston, the blue sky, it's sun's out, but it's, it's you go around the store, stores are closed, got to wear masks, people aren't you know, social distancing. And it, it is the hidden 
enemy. But I, I agree with you. It doesn't matter where it came from. It doesn't matter, you know, who's in office. It doesn't matter because I got news for you. Okay, I got if you're listening this far in this podcast, I love you. Thank you so much because I never normally go this long. But let's say Biden wins in November. It's not going to go away. It's <laughs> no. he's not going to he gets he wins and boom the virus goes. It's not tied to Trump. Okay, this is a real thing and it's affecting the entire world. And so I think, in my own personal opinion, that if we just step back and say, listen. I'm going to close my mouth. I'm going to only say things, helpful things. I'm going to help my neighbor. I'm going to be more positive and upbeat. I think that's going to go a long way to curing what this is. But if we're going to go, oh, you're stupid. Oh, you're a mask and blah, blah. You know what? How does that solve anything? So let's all remember September 12th, 2001, when we came together as a nation. So this is another great conversation for you, uh, with you, Reagan. I love having you on the show. Um, where can we find out more about you online? Uh, well, I have a website. It's Reagan B as in boy Anderson.com and kind of all my stuff is on there. So it's Reagan B Anderson.com spelled like the ex president. And I just really want to say thank you for giving me the honor of being on your podcast again. It's, it's very enjoyable. And go pick up his book, Universal Death Care. Let me tell you, folks, this will wake you up because. Reagan's a doctor, and he wrote the book from that perspective, and you'll get a little inside baseball, what go what went on in Iraq. So, Reagan, thank you so much for being on the show today. You are a rock star, my friend. Thank you, sir. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my October 16th training, The Power and How of Routines. You can either click the link here in the show notes from this podcast episode, or you can click the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.